the people of God. All right, some of you know my tradition. My mom bought this for me against my uh, request. So, Mom, I won't wear it that often. But she insisted. And so I always wear it on Mother's Day. My dad died when uh, I was six years old. And so she was kind of stuck uh, trying to raise me on her own. And I was one of those handful kids. Uh, and so I really appreciate her uh, and think of her often. This is, uh, and I wanted to bring a picture up of her this morning and of course computers, uh, from my guide uh, in Vietnam, my trip to Vietnam this past uh, January. My guide, Ta, uh, I visited, stayed in his home with his mom and his dad. I had a, a, just a, a wonderful day there. Uh, and this is a gift from Ta's mother. Uh, along with several other gifts uh, that they gave me uh, that day. And so this is my inaugural flight, uh, wearing this from Taz. Well, I hope everyone had the warmth and privilege of believing and experiencing as a youngster that your mom was the best mom. As a child, I hope your world was filled with lots of collecting of dandelions for your moms and picnics out on the grass. Now all too often those times pass quickly and we sometimes find ourselves either living out or having experienced the words reported, <clears throat> excuse me, reported to have been penned Mark Twain. <clears throat> Now he was speaking of his father. He said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I was 21, I was astonished at how much he'd learned in seven years. <laughs> Many of us walked that path as children and many of us revisited it as adults and as parents. All the while growing up, most of us are blissfully or blithely unaware of all the pressures that society places upon moms and women to have it all together. Roseanne Barr said, I'm supposed to know how to do everything. I'm a mom. Not only have it together, but are expected to help everyone else around them hold it together as well. I saw a poster, and on the one side it says, things we say to mom. And on the other side, it said, things we say to dad. And on the side where it said, things we say to mom, I'm hungry, I'm cold, I'm hot. Can I have? I want to watch. Where are you? Can you help me with? He hit me. She hurt me. Can I go to? When are we going to get there? Why are we? Why can't we? And on the other side, it said, things we say to dad, where's mom? <laughs> I don't know why, but I've always been keenly aware that for many, as the card made mention, Mother's Day is a hard day. Perhaps it's because over the years I've known many women who have longed both for marriage or to have a child, but have been unable to. I've been with those who have struggled with infertility or have lives to miscarriages or stillbirth, or those who have had abortions. 
I know one, in fact, I, I know several who hardly speak to their moms. They're estranged from them. And there are, for many of us, our moms, we can't pick up the phone and talk to anymore. So for some, Mother's Day is a difficult day. It's a reminder of childless years of bitterness or bereavement or estrangement. But unlike the unrealistic and saccharine images the Hallmark holidays offer to us, the Bible offers us really uh, realistic images of women, of moms. Mother's Day is a, is a modern example of the church's piggybacking on a secular holiday. Uh, almost all of the church's holidays have done that, but many of us are unaware of that practice. Motherhood is a great thing, and the holiday was created to honor moms, and all too frequently their unrecognized labor. While it's good to jump on board, we would be wise not to get as narrowly or as shallow as our culture paints it. Unfortunately, we all too often take our cues from TV or greeting card companies or perhaps the all-American dream. And as a result, women uh, who are not living the dream are sometimes further wounded because they're not living up to society's measurements. When we take a reading of the scriptures, especially Jesus' story of being born, Jesus' mommy and daddy. It was anything but a hallmark story. To get pregnant out of marriage in those times was a deed worthy of stoning. Joseph was torn. <laughs> was he supposed to believe the story that Mary told him? Was there another guy that he hadn't been told about? What would he tell his friends if he did it, he was complicit, and if, they, if he were to say, well, God did it, they would think he was crazy. Anything else, there seemed no viable option. It wasn't a very lovely story to begin with. And then there were the many props of Jesus' birth. Mary simply dropped him off in a barn. <laughs> While we romantics had come now, really. <laughs> It was filled with flies and manure and hay and all different kinds of smells and noises. And then just when they finally clear that hurdle, they're warned in a dream to run for their lives as Herod's about ready to kill all of the kids under the age of two. And so Mary, Joseph, and Jesus all quickly come to understand and experience what it's like to flee violence and become a refugee in a foreign land. No doubt that experience, along uh, with many other similar stories throughout the Bible, helps us understand why down through the ages, the people who have followed Jesus have always been the first to open their doors to refugees. The Bible is no hallmark card for mothers. No, it's much more realistic. Ruth, woman in the Bible, was left childless and widowed at a young age. Rachel, Hannah, and Sarah were all infertile. Eve, you remember her from the first book, and Mary, Jesus' mom, lost sons. Both of them lost sons to terrible circumstances. The prodigal son acted horrible disrespect to his parents. The scriptures tell the stories of real women going through real life situations, going through real pain. But women in diverse life circumstances, sometimes thriving, sometimes coping, 
many times going under. The hallmark tale is too often a fairy tale. Our culture is one of motherhood deferred due to late childbearing years. Motherhood is disrupted by divorce. Motherhood is lost by an infant child or death or a miscarriage. Or motherhood is unachieved for a myriad of reasons. And yet we still have wonderful examples. Strong marriages with happy children. One size fits all. And the image for some of us that life is like, well, who should we say? Pick your, pick your era of life. If for some of us we grew up watching the, the cleavers. Well, life isn't always like that, is it? Or for another generation it might be looking at Claire Huxtable on the you-know-who show. Uh, always depressed, always dressed impeccably, I mean. Uh, always uh, in a spotless home or pursuing a prestigious uh, full-time career. Or maybe your generation would be looking at Mrs. Cunningham from Happy Days. My, she looked good in an apron all the time, didn't she? Always smiling. Or maybe another generation would say, well, maybe it's Marge Simpson. <laughs> who knew a lot somehow to put up with Homer. <laughs> See, Jesus never promised his disciples that they would be happy, never promised they would have good relationships even with their mothers or their parents. In fact, Jesus did say uh, there would be some tough times in life, some sadness and longing in life. Uh, we may in fact find ourselves at times disappointed in life. Some will give and receive motherly love and others of us will be left not. Motherhood should never be the place where we rest our sense of wholeness or fulfillment in life. Uh, this reading from Proverbs 31 was read once. A woman of worth, who can find? She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of a husband trusts in her. She seeks wool and flax and works with hands. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household. Her hands hold a spindle, and all her household are clothed in crimson. She reaches out hands to the needy. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness in her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her happy. Her husband, too, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I remember after hearing that, one woman said, I hate that passage. <laughs> he said, if anyone reads that at my funeral, I'm going to come back and haunt them forever. <laughs> I mean, who could live up to that, right? It's like a guilt trip waiting to happen. Or as one person reflected on it, it's a total woman. It's the totaled woman. <laughs> But what we've come to understand in a proper reading of Proverbs 31 is that it's not about some maniacal, multitasking, otherworldly mom. It's rather, it's the image of God, the imago Deo in the feminine sense, the female image. Some would call it the goddess of wisdom. Throughout the first 30 chapters of Proverbs leading up to this final poem, wisdom is shown inviting us into her household where she provides those who accept her invitation food, clothing, light, wisdom, and shelter. 
given that slant, doesn't that remind you of the one who said, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus was not one to weigh us down with heavy expectations. Rather, he said, come unto me, ye who are burdened and are heavy of heart, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. Rest in your souls. Sadly, the message of Jesus has all too often been I don't know, dare I say the word, is it too strong, polluted by the church? The message of Jesus has been misguided and miscommunicated where, where many, many who would welcome and receive the good news of Jesus have been put off by some self-righteous tones and, and words of some within the church. Remember, uh, I was a pastor at Antioch. I'd been there many years. And, you know, in a church this size, it's hard for the pastor to realize when, when someone is uh, changing their attendance pattern. And this person had been regular, but they hadn't been weekly. And so it may have been three, four, five, six, seven weeks before we realized. We said, well, where's so-and-so? And I thought, I don't, I, I don't know. I hadn't thought. Let me, let, me, let me give her a call. And she didn't return my phone calls. And then I found out. Oh, what had happened was her son had been caught with a, a small amount of drugs and had landed in the newspaper. And the shame, the guilt, the oh, a failure as a mom had set in. And so she didn't feel she could come to the church. Now, is Antioch some type of anomaly, some type of outlier? No, let's be honest. Somewhere along the way, churches, some churches, no, realistically, most churches have become a place instead of running towards it when trouble breaks out, we run from it. Because the church has moved from the vision of Jesus where he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick who I have come to call. Not the sinners, not the sinners, but sinners. So look around. Okay, not a rhetorical question. I want you to look around. Till I see every head's moved a little bit, we're gonna keep saying, look around. All right, thank you, youth especially. They're like, yeah, yeah, I'm looking. Get on with it, man, I'm looking. <laughs> There's not one righteous person in here. Not one. Jesus said, for unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll not enter into the kingdom of God. And you don't need to check that. You're not more righteous than they were. But we've been saved by grace. And so we then don't have to offer the law. We don't extend then the do's and the don'ts, the shalls and the shall nots. No, since we've been saved by grace through faith in Christ, that's what we come to. We don't come to a smorgasbord of rules and do's and don'ts. We don't come to an old country buffet where there's a Penelope offerings. Jesus, Jesus is the only item on the menu. He's the only thing on the offering. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he couldn't contain himself. He had to give a second. He said, the second is likened unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Unfortunately, a lot of people, a lot of moms have walked away from the church because they got the message. And it was Jesus and. Jesus and you have to stop doing this. Jesus and you have to start doing that. Jesus and you got to do those two other things. And moms and women of influence everywhere, when they couldn't live up to it all, and when they didn't feel loved, but rather they felt condemned. And for many, the weight of that condemnation of the church added to an already heavy condemnation they felt from society, it was just too much. But Paul, Paul must have known some people who were still living under the weight of condemnation as well. Or as he was writing to the people at Rome, where for many years, it had been an anything goes kind of town. <laughs> Paul writes, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if Paul were writing a card today, a Mother's Day card today, perhaps it would say, mothers, if you're in Christ Jesus, you are to have no fear of condemnation. You stand in righteousness and are loved by God as his daughter because of the atoning death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so mothers, even though you may feel you are, you are not condemned by your messy house. Even though you may feel you are, you are not condemned because you don't want to homeschool your kids. Even though you feel you are, you are not condemned by your personal sins. You are not condemned by the difficulty of caring for your special needs child. So sometimes that is so tough. You are not condemned by the knowledge of how easy it is for you to love one child more than it is another. You are not condemned by your miscarriages. You are not condemned by that abortion. You are not condemned by your lack of desire to have more kids. You're not condemned because you have no desire or no interest at all in adopting. You're not condemned even though you may feel it when you read it over and over about someone's perfect parenting on Facebook. You're not condemned because you don't like to cook. You're not condemned because your kids aren't normal. You're not condemned because you're divorced and you're trying to do it alone. You're not condemned because your desire to be alone away from your kids for a moment is irrational. You're not condemned by your body because it isn't what it used to be. You're not condemned because of your repeated failures as a mother. You're not condemned by your rebellious children. You're not condemned by the frustration of having to scrape mac and cheese off the kitchen floor again. You're not condemned by all the fears that flirt, the insanity that sometimes almost drive you to the precipice of despair. You are not condemned because you're not able to throw the best birthday party for your kids. You're not condemned because you find your kids eating occasionally out of a can or through a drive-thru. You're not condemned because you want a vacation to get away from everybody. You're not condemned because you can't take your kids on exciting vacations. You're not condemned because you're not living up to the standards of your mother or your mother-in-law or some of your friends. 
you're not condemned by the stares of those who have no kids when your kids erupt into volcanic screams in some public place. Mothers, even though you may feel condemned, if you are in Christ, you are not condemned. That's the reality. You're not condemned because you are in Christ. Your identity is not in being a mother. Your identity is in Christ and it's in his righteousness alone. Therefore, an ending love and affection and acceptance of being a daughter, perfectly loved by an unwavering love that flows from your Father in heaven. And no one and nothing can ever separate from the love of Jesus. Happy Mother's Day. take an offering. The reason we do that is because we want to invest in the ministry that's taking place in this church and around the world. Uh, if you're a guest or new to the church here, all we ask is that you pass that along. But for those of us who believe in what we're doing here, this is a big one in our lives because we get to give back a portion of that which God has blessed us with. Uh, and so the ushers will come forward and the team will sing a song.